Welcome back everyone to the Dirt Hut, a guide to Minecraft survival mode. This is the fourth episode of the podcast first season where I'll be discussing everything you need to know in your Minecraft survival world to complete all achievements and more. Now in the last episode, I talked about mining techniques and I also talked about every single overworld ore. In that episode, I talked about the achievements, getting an upgrade, for hardware, more tools, spelled with M-O-A-R, time to strike, Iron Man, diamonds, all caps with the exclamation point, and diamonds to you, which is not a lot actually. Those are only 7 achievements. Anyway, if you haven't listened to it yet, you can check it out right after this episode. So now, let's begin. Now, this episode will be all about the nether, and as stated in last week's update, this will be quite long. I'll be dividing this into two parts. First is the stuff you can and probably should do while starting out. Again, this podcast is still in the starting phase of your Minecraft playthrough, so this is what's recommended for players following my advice after episode 3. In the second part, I'll tackle every single nether biome, structure, mob, and ore. Also, in a future episode, I'll talk about the other things you can do in the nether, which should probably be done later in the game. Anyway, yeah, let's start now. Now, before I talk about going to the nether, what is it in the first place? Well. The official Minecraft wiki says that the nether is a dangerous hell-like dimension filled with fire, lava, fungus-based vegetation, and many hostile mobs. I think this is a great description of the nether dimension, and it tells us that this dimension is a scary, scary place. It's like the complete opposite of the overworld dimension. And this is why I made this long episode to help you conquer it. Okay, so first, how do you go to the nether in the first place? Well, of course, you have to create a nether portal. This can be done in two different ways. First, you can create your own portal using at least 10 obsidian. Many already know this, but the portal has to be 5 blocks tall and 4 blocks wide, and you can use any block to fill in the four corners. This will leave you with a 3 block tall and 2 block wide area where your actual portal will be when you light it. The second way is by repairing a ruined portal. Ruined portals are semi-built nether portals. Usually, they are larger than the smallest portal possible and some obsidian is replaced by either crying obsidian or just air. So they're like missing. The blocks are completely gone. Now there is a possibility that obsidian will be inside one or both of the chests present in the structure, and you can use those to repair the portal, which is a very easy fix. Now 
most new players may be wondering, how do you get obsidian and how do you light this nether portal? Well, if you can't find any obsidian lying around in ruined portal chests or chests in any other structure for that matter, you can obtain it using one or both of the two ways I'll mention. The first, of course, is to mine it using a diamond pickaxe. Obsidian is usually found in low Y levels with lava, and you can mine it there. Be careful though, as usually when mining obsidian, lava is right under the block, so be careful not to fall in. The other way to get obsidian and make another portal doesn't even require any diamonds. Instead, you need at least one bucket. I prefer using two buckets though, so I'll use two buckets when discussing this method. One bucket should contain lava, while the other should contain water. Obsidian is created when lava sources are touched by flowing water. The first thing I like to do is create a mold to place my lava in. Usually I make a mold for one side of the portal first, then I make one for the other side when the first side is done, and so on and so forth. In my mold, I place down my lava in one of the slots and place water somewhere near it. It's fine where you put it, it doesn't matter as long as the lava and water touch. However, never put your water source in the same block as your lava source because that will just waste your time and resources. Usually, I put my water a block above the lava to create my obsidian. Anyway, once all sides are done, your nether portal is complete. Now, how do you light it? You can light a nether portal by igniting it with fire. And this can be done using, again, one or both of the two ways I'm going to mention. The first, which is done by many including myself, is using a flint and steel. It is crafted using one flint and one steel, of course. It's a flint and steel. It has 65 uses, but that can be extended by a lot using enchantments. Personally, I always carry with me some obsidian and a flint and steel, enchanted with unbreaking three and mending. In case I get lost in the nether or if someone, or you know, something for that matter, breaks my portal. The second way is using fire charges. This method is rather wasteful unless you have a lot of fire charges. Because one fire charge ignites only one block. However, it is possible. And in the event that you don't have a flint and steel to light your portal, this is definitely a good alternative. Because, you know, it's the only alternative. <laughs> anyway, when lighting your first portal, you will get the achievement into the nether. Now, I'll talk about how to prepare before going to the nether. I'll see you there. Well, now that you have your portal, how do you prepare for the nether? Well, one thing you really need is good armor. At least having iron armor is highly recommended. But if you have diamond armor, that's even better. Armor is very important when going to this dimension because the mobs and lava there are dangerous. And coupling those with a lack of protection is a recipe for disaster. Also, weapons and tools are as, if not even more important than armor. At least an iron sword is good, but I'd recommend going to the nether only when you have at least a diamond sword and pickaxe. Other than armor, a sword, and a pickaxe, I think you should also bring a flint and steel, lots of cobblestone or blast resistant blocks, 
maybe a bow and some arrows, a shield, some ender pearls if possible, and lastly of course, some food. It's also recommended to bring some torches, maybe a bucket or two, and 10 or 14 blocks of obsidian. But these ones are not as valuable as the rest, and I'll explain why now. Swords are useful for dealing with mobs and dealing melee damage, but bows or other ranged weapons are also good for dealing with tougher mobs like gas and magma cubes, which are much harder when fighting with only a sword. A pickaxe is good when you need to clear a path, make a place to hide, or gather resources in tight situations. A flint and steel is quite valuable if ever a ghast destroys your portal and you have to relight it. Now, though it is possible to relight your portal using maybe a flammable block like wood or wool coupled with lava, it requires a bit of effort and it's not really reliable, especially when you need to get back to the overworld quickly. Or if, for example, you have a gas like right in front of you. Blast resistant blocks are extremely important, and you should build a shelter using these blocks right when you first enter the nether. This will protect you from gas destroying your portal because their fireballs can destroy cobblestone and other blast resistant blocks. Some other examples of these blocks are stone, granite, andesite, diorite, bricks, and even diamond blocks if you really want to use those. A shield can also help you in situations where you're cornered or outnumbered by mobs. Because while looking for a way to escape, you can use your shield to deflect their attacks. They're pretty cheap to craft too, requiring only 6 wooden planks and 1 iron ingot. Ender pearls are great for saving yourself if you throw them properly, and they can get you out of trouble if you're falling in lava or getting cornered by mobs. However, since we're still in the early stages of the game, it's fine if you don't have a lot of ender pearls yet or even any. Torches are good when exploring so you can find your way back. Buckets are also quite good, especially when mining in the nether. If you come across or fall in one or two singular sources of lava, it's hard to get out. But if you take the lava source using a bucket, you will get less damage because you're just burning rather than swimming in lava, and you will have a better chance of surviving. 10 or 14 obsidian can be used to create a nether portal when lost. And of course, you have to bring food to sprint, regenerate, and survive in general. And now that I'm done discussing what you have to prepare, I'm going to talk about what you should do when you first enter the nether. I'll see you there. When you first enter the nether, you'll most likely experience a lot of lag especially if you have a low-performance device, since every single chunk you enter is brand new. However, don't worry as it usually goes away after a bit of time. Make sure to wait at the portal until everything is loaded. You never know if a lava lake is right in front of you. Now take a look at the surrounding area and determine where you are. It's best to immediately create a shelter made out of blast-resistant blocks if you are in the basalt deltas, soul sand valley, or nether waste biomes, because gas can spawn there. On the other hand, if you are in crimson or warped forests, you can build your base out of any material as long as you're protected from the mobs there. If you spawn in none of these places, then your nether portal must be on top of a lava lake. If this happens to you, you can either build out from the platform generated for you 
or you can just relocate your portal to another place. In the rare events that your nether portal is at a nether fortress or bastion remnant, be sure to protect yourself from the mobs around you. If I were you though, I'd relocate as well until I have better resources. Now, before exploring the nether, be sure to build a base. As I've mentioned, you should use blast-resistant blocks such as cobblestone and stone bricks. These will not only protect you from gas, but they will also help your base stand out because none of these materials are naturally obtainable in the nether. Be sure to make the main area of your base with the portal less than 4 blocks tall to prevent gas from spawning inside. Or, at the very least, place slabs, buttons, carpets, or any other mob-proofing block to prevent them from spawning. Now, when exploring, be sure to always stay alert. Mobs spawn everywhere, and if you're caught off guard, you may end up dying. If possible, wear some piece of gold armor when you're in or near a bastion remnant, crimson forest, or nether waste biome because piglins spawn there, and if you aren't wearing any gold armor, they'll attack you. Also, don't rely on compasses, clocks, or maps, because though they may work and help you a little bit in the overworld, they don't work at all in the nether. Also, if you still don't know this, never use a bed in the nether. It will just explode and kill you, and yeah, whatever. You're gonna die. Also, if ever you end up having to mine a tunnel through some netherrack to get from one place to another, be sure to always be careful because sometimes there will be lava within those blocks. If you aren't able to get the lava with a bucket, block the source with a block, or maybe even escape, you might burn to death which of course is always bad. Lastly, always remember where your base is. It doesn't matter how you know where it is, may it be through coordinates, directions, or other means. As long as you're able to return home safely, everything will be fine. Now, that's the end of part 1. In part 2, I'm going to talk about different biomes, mobs, blocks, and structures in the nether. I'll see you there. Well, welcome to part 2 of 2 in this episode. As stated previously, I'm going to talk about the different biomes, mobs, blocks, and structures in this dimension. So now, I'll start with the biomes. Number 1, Nether Waste. This is the original nether biome. Before 1.16 was released last June, the entire nether dimension was just the nether waste. It's mostly netherrack with some nether gold ore and nether quartz ore here and there of course and you know the occasional ancient debris if you ever find any. There are lots of mobs that can spawn in this biome. These mobs namely are the ghasts, piglins, zombified piglins, striders, and endermen. So it's a pretty dangerous biome. Number 2, Soul Sand Valley. 
This biome, in my opinion, is one of the most dangerous biomes in the nether. The entire biome is made out of soul sand and soul soil. Soul sand is quite bad for you since it slows you down and coupled with the frequent spawning of gas and skeletons in the biome, you have a recipe for disaster. There are also fossils made out of bone blocks that naturally generate here. Soul sand and soul soil, when ignited, create a blue flame called soul fire, which is everlasting, similar to how normal fire is everlasting when on netherrack. Also, if you have the soul speed enchantment on your boots from bartering, you can go faster on soul sand and soul soil, which is good when traversing these biomes. Always be careful though, because your boots might break if you use this enchantment too much. Number 3, Basalt Deltas. This biome is also extremely dangerous, and it's said that it was the result of ancient volcanic explosions. It's a very dark biome, consisting of mostly basalt and blackstone, with some netherrack appearing occasionally. There is also lots of lava in this biome, and it has varying and uneven shapes in its terrain, making it difficult to traverse and build. Unless, of course, you do lots of terraforming, but you know, that's time-consuming. Gas and magma cubes spawn here regularly, which adds to the danger even more. If you come across this biome, I think you should get out immediately. Number 4, Crimson Forest. This biome, in my opinion, is the best place to put your main nether base in. It has all the things you need to survive, from food, to building blocks, to good resources. The whole biome has a red tint, and the best thing you'll encounter here is the generation of crimson fungi, which is one of the two new wood types introduced in 1.16. The only mobs that spawn here are piglins, hoglins, and zombified piglins, which makes it quite peaceful. I'd highly recommend this biome, and as a matter of fact, my nether base is presently stationed here. Number 5, Warped Forest. This biome is sort of like the opposite of the Crimson Forest biome. It has a blue tint to it, and only Endermen and Striders spawn here. The presence of endermen makes it easy to farm for enderpearls, but if you have gold, you can also use that gold to barter with piglins for enderpearls instead in Crimson Forest. However, it has warped fungi, which is the other new wood type from 1.16. And of course, as you can guess, the colors of the two wood types match the biomes they come from, with crimson wood being red and warped wood being blue. Well, those are all of the biomes in the nether. It isn't a lot, but if you do manage to visit all of them, you will get the achievement Hot Tourist Destination. Now let's move on to the mobs that you can encounter in the nether.
Number one, gas. These mobs, in my opinion, are the most dangerous ones in the entire dimension. First of all, they fly, which is bad enough. Second, they shoot fireballs at you, which is also bad. And third, those fireballs explode and burn things around them, which is even worse. So, how do you defeat gas? There are three approaches to defeating them. First, you can hit them with melee attacks. However, this is difficult to do because gas can fly, so it's likely that you can't reach them unless they're in a small enclosed area. The second way to defeat them is using ranged weapons. Based on my experiences, these mobs get defeated after getting hit 1-3 to three times with ranged attacks, depending on the weapon used. Lastly, you can deflect their fireballs using any melee or ranged attack. If you're able to hit a ghast with its own fireball, it's a one-hit kill and you'll get the achievement Return to Sender. This may seem easy, but in reality, it requires a bit of practice when it comes to your timing. Just spamming won't work. These mobs can drop gas tears and gunpowder. Gas tears are useful for regeneration potions, and gunpowder can be used in fireworks and TNT. And also, other than that, another explosive device you can, or item rather, you can use and craft with these is gas tears. You can use them to create end crystals which are very dangerous, they're more powerful than TNT. Anyway, yeah, that's the ghast. Number 2, Blazes. These mobs are also quite dangerous, as whenever they attack you, they shoot three balls of fire, one after another which can seriously harm you if you get hit by all of them, or even just one. The good thing though, is that none of their projectiles explode like gas fireballs. If blaze fireballs hit the ground, they just ignite the block they land on with fire. Sort of like when you light blocks with a flint and steel. To defeat blazes, you can either use melee and ranged attacks just like with gas, but you can't deflect their fireballs. However, you can block them with shields, which is good when defending yourself. One special thing when fighting blazes is they get damaged severely using snowballs. So if you really can't fight a blaze using any other method, just use snowballs. When defeating blazes, you have a chance of getting the blaze rods. When you pick up a blaze rod for the first time, you get the achievement into fire. These blazes only spawn in nether fortresses. Specifically, in the places with blaze spawners. These spawners can be farmed, and if you want to disable them, you can use jack-o'-lanterns or glowstone blocks. They can't be deactivated using simple torches. Instead, you have to place down jack-o'-lanterns or glowstone blocks three blocks away from the spawner in every direction. Every direction is referring to north, south, east, west, northeast, northwest, southeast, southwest. Yeah, those eight directions. And by three blocks away, I mean that there should be a two block gap between your light source and the spawner. So when you're counting, starting from the block right beside the spawner, it's one, two, three, then you place it down on three. I hope, I hope that made sense. Number three. Wither Skeletons 
This mob is a force to be reckoned with. It deals a great deal of damage and you also get the withering effect when they hit you. Even though I'm a very experienced player, I sometimes die when swarmed by a lot of these skeletons at the same time, primarily because of the withering effect. It decreases one health point or half a heart per second, which is a lot. If you have the withering effect for 20 seconds and you can't regenerate, you'll surely die. So bring milk if possible to erase the wither effect essentially when you drink it. The best way to defeat them in my opinion is using either ranged attacks or a sword enchanted with smite, preferably smite 5. Smite 5 on a diamond or netherite sword allows you to kill these skeletons in a single hit which means that you don't have much of a chance anymore of getting hit by them. They can drop bones, coal, and even their own stone swords, but their most valuable drop is a wither skeleton skull. You can use three of those skulls to summon the wither, which is one of the bosses you'll be facing in this game. Number four, Magma Cubes. Though these mobs seem weak, in my opinion, they're the most annoying ones to defeat. When you defeat one, it splits into two to four smaller magma cubes, and they only really die when you defeat the smallest ones. They have three different sizes, and the big ones are the worst. Whenever I'm riding on the ice path in the nether hub of one of the servers I play in called the Virtual Plains, there are times when a big magma cube spawns out of nowhere on the path. On hard mode, which is the mode being used in our server, these magma cubes deal 9 points of damage per hit, or 4.5 hearts. Usually, I'm unable to escape once it gets in my boat, and I die in 3 or 4 hits, which is rather quick. When you defeat the big and medium magma cubes, you have a chance of getting magma cream, which can be good in making fire resistance potions. Those potions are very good in the nether, especially if you fall in lava. In 1.16, a new magma cream spawner was added in some bastion remnant structures, but I'll talk about that in a future episode. Number 5, Piglins. This is the first of the new mobs introduced in the Nether update. They are neutral mobs at first, who won't attack you unless you attack them or you aren't wearing any gold armor. And they can use crossbows or golden swords to attack you. They can also become aggravated when you break any gold block, gold ore, nether gold ore, or gilded blackstone nearby. And also when you open or break chests, trap chests, ender chests, minecrafted chests, minecrafted hoppers, barrows, and choker boxes a lot. These piglins also have a new bartering feature. You can give them a gold ingot and in return they'll give you some other item. I'll discuss bartering in a future episode. If a piglin is mad at you, you can throw it a gold ingot to distract it. Doing this will get you the achievement OOH SHINY, which is O-O-H and the comma and then SHINY with an exclamation point. It's a weird name. <laughs> Killing a piglin will give you the chance of getting the item they're holding, which as I've mentioned can be either a golden sword or a crossbow, and some piece of gold armor. These mobs also live in bastion remnants, so be alert for them when visiting the structure. 
Piglins are scared of zombified piglins, zoglins, and any item involving soul fire. So if they want to kill you, but you can't defend themselves, defend themselves yourself, <laughs> use those soul fire items. Number six, piglin brutes. These guys are extremely strong. Only a few spawn per bastion remnant, and when defeated, they will not respawn. They carry around golden axes, and they can be differentiated from piglins with that weapon I just mentioned, the golden axe, along with black clothes and a scar on their face. They look quite menacing, and won't be distracted if you wear or give them anything golden. They have a massive amount of health, with 50 health points or 25 hearts, and on hard mode, they inflict 15 points or 7.5 hearts of damage, which is a ton. Just like with the skeletons, I think you should defeat them with ranged attacks. But that will still be quite hard, since when they notice you, all piglins in the vicinity will attack you as well. It requires a bit of skill to defeat them, but with practice, you'll be able to master it. When defeated, they have a chance of dropping their golden axe. They aren't scared of anything by the way, so even if you show them, for example, a soul lantern, they'll still attack you. Number 7, Zombified Piglins These mobs were originally zombie pigmen before 1.16 came. You can get zombified piglins artificially by lighting and breaking your nether portal several times, by striking overworld pigs with lightning, or by bringing regular piglins to the overworld, or even piglin brutes as well. You don't need to wear any gold armor to prevent them from attacking you. They are neutral mobs like piglins, but they will only attack you when you attack them. They carry around gold swords, and when killed, they can drop gold nuggets, gold ingots, rotten flesh, or their golden swords, or even golden axes if a piglin brute became a zombified piglin. The portal thing I mentioned previously is the one being used in most if not all gold farms, and let me just say, it's very effective. Number 8, Hoglins. Hoglins are like the pigs of the nether. The difference is that they're hostile and they're tougher than regular overworld pigs. So, you know, it's not really the greatest um, comparison. They're the arch enemies of piglins, so you'll see them fighting each other a lot. Warped fungi, nether portals, and respawn anchors scare them. So if you have any and don't want to bother fighting them, you can just place any of them on the ground and they'll run away. Now, when defeated, they drop leather and pork chops which is great as a food source. And for a long time on A-Place SMP, which is one of the realms I play in, hoglins have been my regular source of food. Killing them with my fire aspect and looting sword gets me tons of cooked pork chops in no time. Nowadays though, I kill mushrooms for food because they're easier to farm. However, if you do want to kill hoglins for food, Silent Whisperer has an excellent hoglin farm on his YouTube channel, so go check that out if you want to. Also, these mobs can be bred using crimson fungi, again, if you really want to.
Number nine, Doglins. Doglins are basically zombified piglins, but for hoglins. They only appear when you bring a hoglin to the overworld, and they only drop rotten flesh when killed. So, they're kind of useless, especially because they don't spawn at all unless you make them using artificial methods. They're hostile mobs just like regular hoglins. And you know what, part of me wants to know why they named hog the zombified hoglins Zoglins, but the zombified piglins aren't called Ziglins. <laughs> Number 10, Striders. Striders are the only passive mobs in the nether. They drop string when killed and, sort of like pigs, you can ride them using a saddle and warped fungus on a stick, which can be crafted with a fishing rod and a piece of warped fungus, so it's quite cheap. These mobs are rather useful when you have to cross things like lava lakes. Striders are immune to lava, so they can walk right over it. And they can even walk on top of mobs if you really want to do that. And you know, all in all, use striders for transportation. They're good if you're able to get a saddle early game. Also, you can breed two adult striders using warped fungi. And sometimes, other striders, or zombified piglins even, spawn on top of striders. And if you kill those zombified piglins, you have a chance of getting a warped fungus on a stick. That's neat. Well, those are all the mobs you'll encounter in the nether. I skipped skeletons and endermen because I already discussed them in episode 1, on the segment about your first night. Now, I'm going to talk about the different ores in the nether. I'm also going to include some extra blocks that you might want to take note of when mining. Also, remember that all of these ores can replace netherrack, so, you know, you might be able to find them in nether caves. <laughs> you know, I, I had to put it somewhere, I, it's sort of like the, the signature. Some of my friends call it the signature of this podcast, and you know, if you want to call it that, that's, that's cool too. Um. Yeah, anyway, I'll see you there. Number 1, Nether Quartz Ore. This is the original ore in the Nether. Before 1.16, this was the only ore in the entire dimension. It tries to generate ore veins and replace netherrack 16 times per chunk in any biome except the basalt deltas. There, it tries to generate 32 times per chunk since there isn't a lot of netherrack in that biome. Surprisingly, this ore can be mined with any pickaxe, even a wooden one. Without fortune, it gives you one piece of quartz, but with its maximum level, you can get a maximum of 4. You also get a good deal of experience when you mine quartz. This quartz ore is good for crafting, especially for redstone components like comparators and observers. Also, a quartz block can be created with 4 quartz ore, 
and it can be crafted again into different styles which might look good in your buildings. Number 2, Nether Gold Ore. This is one of the two new ores added in 1.16. It generates in veins 10 times per chunk or 20 times in basalt deltas. Just like quartz, you can mine these blocks with any pickaxe. Without fortune, you get 2 to 6 golden nuggets per ore. With fortune 3, however, you have a chance of getting up to 24. One gold ingot can be crafted using 9 nuggets. So 24 would get you 2 ingots and you would need 3 more nuggets for a third ingot. Using silk touch gives you the ore block itself, and smelting it in a furnace gives you a gold ingot. Personally, I use silk touch more because based on experience, fortune actually gives you less than 1 gold ingot on average. The average is about 7 or 8 I think. This ore can be used of course for gold, and it's quite useful for piglin bartering, especially if you're short on gold. Number 3, Ancient Debris. This is probably the most sought after ore in Minecraft, and I'll tell you why in a bit. This ore is very blast resistant, similar to obsidian, so it's immune to all explosions except for wither damage. Up to two veins of ancient debris can generate per chunk, with each vein containing one to three ore blocks. And it can replace netherrack, blackstone, and basalt. On average, this ore generates most in Y level 15, so if you want to go mining, go mining there. There are three popular ways people mine for this ore. First, people use beds which, as I've stated in the beginning of the episode, explode when you try to sleep in them. Second, TNT can be used which explodes when lit on fire and it can cause a chain reaction when near other TNT blocks. The last, of course, is your traditional mining method with just a pickaxe. I prefer using TNT because it's fast unlike regular mining and you can stack TNT unlike beds. This chain reaction thing with TNT is also a plus by the way. Sometimes you can also find ancient debris in bastion remnant chests, which is cool I guess. <laughs> also this ore can only be mined using a diamond or netherite pickaxe just like obsidian. When you smelt one block of ancient debris, you get one netherite scrap. You can craft netherite ingots using four scraps and four gold ingots. And this is why it's so sought after. It's extremely rare, and one netherite ingot can make any piece of netherite armor and tool given that you have its diamond variant and a smithing table. And once you have full netherite armor and equip it, you'll get the achievement Cover Me in Debris. If you're having trouble mining, you can always look for tutorials online. There are lots of YouTube videos made about the topic. Now, I'm going to talk about the two bonus blocks 
or actually rather three. So the first bonus block is Blackstone. Now this isn't an ore of course, but I included it because it's quite good to take note of it when mining. It's basically the cobblestone of the nether because almost every single crafting recipe that needs cobblestone can also use Blackstone. Also, Blackstone and its variants are like, they look really good. So you can use them in your builds if you want to. Now the other two bonus blocks are Glowstone and Shroom Lights. These are the two light sources you can find in the nether. Besides lava of course, but you know, that, that doesn't count. <laughs> you can get Glowstone through the clusters that generate as a sort of ceiling or basically it's on the underside of any elevated naturally generated piece of terrain in the nether. When mining glowstone, you get glowstone dust, which can be used in several crafting and brewing recipes. You can also get the glowstone blocks themselves using silk touch. Shroom lights, on the other hand, can be harvested from grown crimson and warped fungi. They're quite easy to farm, but in my opinion, glowstone is easier to get since it comes in such large quantities when you're exploring the nether. However, if you want to stay at your base, Shroom lights are good to farm too. So, those are all of the ores you'll find in the nether. In this last part of part 2, I'll talk about the different structures you can find in this dimension. This will cover what they are, and for nether fortresses and bastion remnants, I'll talk about them in more detail in future episodes. So, stay tuned for those. Number 1. Nether Fossils These are similar to overworld fossils, but they're for the nether and they're much more common. They're found in soul sand valleys and they consist of 5 to 27 bone blocks. There are 14 nether fossil variants, and to be honest, they aren't too interesting. Most of the designs, if not all, are just, um, they're, they're basically just rib cages and spines and all that. So I won't talk about them too much. So, um, yeah, let's move on now. Number 2, Ruined Portal. This is a structure that can generate in both the overworld and nether in any biome. Currently, there are 13 variants of this structure with different sizes and levels of decay. They consist of stone or blackstone bricks including their variants such as you know slabs and stairs etc. Netherrack, lava, obsidian of course cause you know it's a portal, magma blocks and sometimes a gold block and some crying obsidian. There are also two loot chests which can contain a lot of different things. Just some of them are fire chargers, obsidian, and even notch apples. So keep a lookout for these things. Number 3, Nether Fortress. This structure is the main reason why you need to go to the nether. To complete the game's main objective, which is to defeat the Ender Dragon, you must activate an end portal first using 12 Eyes of Ender, which require blaze powder to be crafted. 
Blaze powder can only be dropped by blazes, which can only be found in nether fortresses. Anyway, yeah, you get the point, it's important. It can be generated in any nether biome randomly. And these fortresses are very complex with a wide variety of mobs that can spawn such as wither skeletons and blazes and zombified piglins, etc. So I'll talk about them in another episode along with Bastion Remnants, especially because it's too early game for this. Number 4, Bastion Remnant. This structure is where piglins and piglin brutes live. You'll see a lot of them here, so you have to be careful. Interestingly, it can generate in soul sand valleys, but piglins are scared of anything soul fire related, such as soul torches, soul lanterns, etc. So it's ironic. <laughs> they have to face their fears, I guess. <laughs> This structure is also the only place where you can get the Pigstep Music Disc and Snout Banner Pattern. It comes in four variants, namely the Bridge, Generic, Hoglin Stables, and Treasure Room kinds. This is also very complex, so I'll be discussing it in another episode as I've mentioned. Well, anyway, that's the end of my discussion about going to the nether in Minecraft. I hope all of you liked this long episode, and I hope it made up for the missed week last week. Also, you may have noticed that this episode was released on a Sunday. This is because I'm updating my schedule. Now, instead of 12 noon on Saturdays, I'm going to release episodes every Sunday at 12 noon. By the way, GMT plus 8 is my time zone if you want to know. Now, special thanks to those who emailed me. My email, by the way, is thedirthutpodcast.gmail.com. And also thanks to those who commented on my previous episodes on YouTube, on the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is called The Dirt Hut. Um, yeah. So, special shout out to these two people who emailed me. Rytech AT, I also gave him a shout out on last episode because he also emailed me then. And also Rebel JC from the Dig Straight Down podcast. I listened to it, it's very good. Also, thanks to those who commented on last episode's video. Those people are Gato, Var Room Podcast, Gaming with MJ, and Matt BS. By the way, I've been listening to a few podcasts lately and I'm trying to figure out if I should stop putting music at, like on the background of when I'm speaking because most podcasts have like um, music as the background, like background music, the introduction, then when they start talking about the actual thing, the music fades away. So I'm not sure if I should do that myself. However, here is a test to see if you would be okay with that. Yeah, here's the test right now. Okay, test, test, test. So right now, this is supposed to be the one with background music, the introduction. So for example, I'm gonna use the one from this episode. Welcome back everyone to the Dirt Hut. A guide to Minecraft survival mode. 
This is the fourth episode of the podcast for a season where I'll be discussing everything you need to know. <laughs> everything you need to know in your Minecraft survival world to complete all achievements and more, etc. etc. Basically, yeah, that's the thing. Then now the music's gonna fade away, then we'll have the, the content. Okay, so now this is part two of the test. Um, this is the, the the sort of content, the proper content in the in the episode supposedly. So, for example, let's, let's use one of these uh, paragraphs from my script. Number one, Nether Waste. This is the original Nether biome. Before 1.16 was released last June, the entire Nether dimension was just a Nether Waste. It's mostly Netherrack with some Nether gold ore, Nether quartz ore here and there. Lots of mobs that can spawn in this biome. These mobs are gas, pigs, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's the the body sort of thing. Um, and then now the music's gonna fade in for the conclusion. And uh, so so for example, let's let's do the ending part of one of these. Um, so that's the end of the mobs. Okay, blah 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 blah. I'll see you there. Okay, and then right now this is the conclusion um so let's read the conclusion for this episode well anyway that's the end of my discussion about entering the nether minecraft um i hope you all like this long episode and i hope it made up for the misweek last week also you may have noticed blah 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 okay um if you liked it right if if you like this episode um, if you like this style, you can email me about it. And now I'm gonna say the last part of the actual conclusion. Anyway, if you like this podcast, be sure to share it with your friends and family members, and stay tuned for the episodes to come. If you search The Dirt Hut on Anchor's website, you can send me a voice message for feedback, or you can also send feedback with this podcast email address. And that is thedirthutpodcast at gmail.com. I repeat... The Dirt Hot Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening to the fourth episode of my podcast. I hope to see you again in the next ones. Bye bye.